morning. Thank them for their hard work and labor. Praise the Lord. Wow. Well, man, um, so I love this week. I love Holy Week. I love the week of passion. I love what it stands for. I love what uh, Jesus is, did for us. And yet, when I read through the scripture that we're going to read through today, I'm a little bit perplexed. I'm going to be honest with you because I... I I don't know sometimes, you know, I don't know, I know Jesus was all God, all man. Was he truly prepared for what he was going to go through? And part of me says that he wasn't because in um, the 26th chapter of Matthew and the 22nd chapter of Luke, Jesus actually asked the Lord, would you, would you cause this cup to pass from me? And, and, um, and he's sweating as if it were drops of blood. He's crying. I mean, he, he's passionate. He, and yet he does it for us. Uh, but I, I feel like when he walks in, and we'll read this, the whole Hosanna, the Yashana. Everybody say Hosanna. And now say Yashana. So that means salvation now. That means victory now. That means healing now. That means blessing or prosperity now. You're simply saying with one word, God, would you fulfill all my needs? And when Jesus is walking in uh, on the untied colt, we'll talk about that in a minute, he's walking into all these cries, all this uh, like a celebrity. Like he, they're, they're, they're just praising him. They're loving on him. We'll read it in a moment. And yet I, I wonder because at the, by the end of the week, they're yelling crucify him. They're yelling all these things that are so detriment then to him, and 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 I would I would say you know Janie and I have uh, we've only pastored two churches. This is the second, hopefully the last one. Unless you know the board kicks me out or something, we'll start a church across town. No, I'm, I would I wouldn't do that, um, uh, and hopefully they wouldn't do that. Our first church uh, we had served uh, for her father for years, I think 18 or 19 years. And then we, we took a, uh, assistant pastor job in a neighboring city. And then, uh, some people came up that were looking for a pastor. They asked our pastor, would we be available or, you know, could we come try out whatever. When you don't found a church, when you're not the founding pastor, then you candidate in some many cases. And so as we candidated for that church, uh, we got a hundred percent of the vote, and uh, it was just, it was bliss. I mean, it was just, it was incredible for about a week or so. <laughs> and then after the first month, like all hell broke loose. It was just like, who's quitting this week? Or who, who hates me this week? And, and it was just thing after thing after thing. And, and it was like we rode in on the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and then after a while, they were like, crucify him, crucify him. And it was, it was just, it's, it's brutal. It is, I mean, I don't think I would uh, wish that for, on my worst enemy, honestly. It's just, there's so many emotions you go through. You know, you, you think uh, people like you and then they don't like you and you don't, you know, you don't support somebody and their whole family leaves or you don't do this and their whole family leaves or this. It's like, dear God. <laughs> and so we served that church for seven years and things evened out. It was very good. It was a very good uh, tenure there. And, and uh, God really blessed uh, the congregation, the people that stayed and, and uh, grew in the Lord, the church grew. And then we came here 15 years ago and it was, um, it was just a, a beautiful thing. I, we got uh, everybody voted, but we had four no's and, and Landon, I, I thought maybe those were the four right people after a while, you know, it's like, he's shaking his head, yeah, I think they were, the, in fact, he was a no, no, I don't hope not, uh, so uh, same thing, one of the leader's wives uh, told me, even before we candidated, 
brother, you are in for a fight. Are you ready for the fight you're up against? And I, 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 I guess so. And I didn't know she was going to be a captain for the other team. <laughs> Mike, she was speaking prophetically. <laughs> Do you know the fight? And then my friend Landon emailed me one day. We had been here about nine months. And um, he said, brother, I love you. I said, thank you, man. I love you too. He said, uh, I'm behind you. You know that, don't you? I said, yeah, man, that's good. God's, go, God's doing some really good things. And he, he said a couple other things. And he said, hey, uh, you haven't read your email yet, have you? <laughs> I said, no. He said, well, yeah, brother so-and-so, he's quitting the church. And he, he emailed all the board on why he was quitting. He copied you in on it. I said, well, that was nice of him, copying me in on it. And my messages were weak, and he, he wasn't inspired, and all kind of nice, good stuff. I always try to learn from bad emails, which I don't get anymore because they divert them. Not that I don't get them. They just divert them. <laughs> Let's not, don't let don't let pastor read this. <laughs> I don't even get the good ones. If there are good ones, I don't even get the good ones anymore. But such an emotional moment that when you're in leadership of any kind, and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. If you're in leadership, if you're a manager, a business owner, you have disgruntled employees or disgruntled people, you know, clients, whatever. Uh, I wonder how Jesus felt, being all God and all man, that he's riding in on a colt, and they're really literally singing his praises. Like they're shouting, Hosanna. They really believe he's going to be the king, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and he has different thoughts and ideas ideas. He's been telling them for three, three and a half years, hey, you're going, I'm going to die. Uh, and probably because you're going to follow me, you're going to die as well. And, and sometimes we hear things, but we don't receive them, right? And so that's kind of the just of today's story that we're going to read about is that you need to be prepared in many ways. And so we're going to read out of Luke's gospel, the 19th chapter. We're going to read 28 through 40. I read pretty quickly, but we're not going to stop. We're just going to kind of read through it, and then we'll, we'll talk about a few things just on how, uh, how Jesus handled the whole situation. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, Peter and John, saying, Go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has seen and has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it was just as they had told him. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, these very stones would cry out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you are. We thank you for this holy week, this week of passion, Father. Thank you for this Easter resurrection season that we can, Lord, live and love, Father, Lord, not only you, but those people that you've created. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. What a story. We read it every year. It's one of my favorite times, like Janie said, is this Holy Week, this week of passion, that we can look at what Jesus did and yet see some of the, 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 the brutal reality that 
was Christ. He is lauded, he's loved, he's, uh, he's revered, they're praising him. And then just a few days later, they're yelling, the same crowd, by the way, is yelling, crucify him. All his uh, disciples are gone except for John, who's there with his mother Mary. I mean, his brothers and sisters aren't even around. There's nobody there. Nobody that was uh, giving him adulation at the start of the week is there at the end of the week. And sometimes we go through that in, in life, right? Sometimes we go through those things where we're, we're hurting because we've invested time in somebody or invested time into a, a people group or persons or, and yet, you know, they're, they're, uh, they turn, you know, and they, and, and it's not because they're evil. It's, you know, maybe they're, they got offended or they got hurt or they heard something the wrong way or they, they misunderstood or, uh, in, in my verbiage, I say things sometimes that people could take many number of ways and, uh, and, and they do. And because they do, then it's, it's, a, it's a deal. And, and Jesus was speaking. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but Jesus was speaking that way. He was speaking of kingdom principles, and sometimes people were hearing it on earthly principles. And so sometimes the Lord will say something, the Holy Spirit will say something to you, and it sounds odd, or it sounds out of order, or, or, or contrary even to maybe some things that you know, or the ways that you've built yourself, and we have to step back for a moment. So I have just three statements today that I want you to hear, maybe write down, take a snapshot of the screen, and maybe walk with it for a while and just see. The first one is, passion prepares you for what position won't, okay? So passion prepares us, all right? Uh, so in my first church, you know, I was the pastor, and that was by position, and I had certainly had passion, but you have to earn that credibility after a while, or, or sometimes we do it uh, when we're parents, okay? Well, I'm the parent. I'm from a generation that my mom and dad would say this. Well, because I said so, or because I'm your mom, or because I'm your dad, right? So we, we learned that, that passion or position. So Janie and I, uh, we had three kids by the time I was 23, by the time she was 21. And so we were very passionate to grow our family, and it wasn't necessarily by our position. We were too young and dumb to know that we were parents. We just know we had three little mouths to feed, and we wanted to raise them up in the fear of the Lord. And so it was a passionate love response. And so passion prepares you, okay? Positions are good, but it's the passion. So Jesus here isn't recognized for the position that he even has as the only begotten son of almighty God. That was his position, but his passion, and this is why we call it Passion Week, his passion was that he was prepared for this. In fact, he had prepared many times over for this. He spoke of it. He is the word of God made flesh, and so he's the one that spoke to Zechariah in 9-9 that that Savior would be riding in on a colt, on a, on a donkey. And so he knows what he has said. He spoke the word in Luke, the fourth chapter, out of Isaiah 61, saying that he was that person that would, would repair uh, people, that would bring order, that, would, that he would preach the good news, the day of the Lord, the day of favor. He knew those things, so he was prepared. In fact, he had prepared three things here in this chapter if you read this chapter and, and the, the symbolic chapters, the synoptic chapters that go with Mark and, and uh, uh, Matthew along with John on this holy week, he, he had prepared a cult. 
He said, there's a colt that's going to be tied up. Tell the master that your master has need of that colt. Now, the, the cool thing there, uh, and it dawned on me this week, this colt, we have people in our first service, maybe some here. Janie had three horses back in Iowa. We had a small farm, hobby farm, like seven acres or so, and it had a cool barn, historic barn on it, and a craftsman-style house. We love that little farm. And, and so uh, one year for her, our anniversary, I, I bought her uh, a white Arabian horse that that, that was older, uh, not old, but it was mature. And uh, so we we bought because we bought the horse, we had to buy the farm. Usually people buy the farm and then they buy the horse. We bought the horse, so then we bought the farm, and then we had a, a little filly named Lily. It was a pain horse and kind of a stubborn little horse, but just a beautiful horse, just gorgeous. And then we had a, a thoroughbred uh, named Ruby, who was kind of a red horse. Well, there is no way. Absolutely no way that we could have went and gone and put a, uh, a, a saddle on, on the filly named Lily without first trying to starting to break the horse, walking the horse, getting a bridle on the horse, and 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 just you know, there's no way Janie would have just hopped on the horse and all right, just going to go right to the to the end of the laneway and back. No way, you you have to break a horse. The amazing thing here is the Bible says uh, that this horse had never been ridden before at all. Go bring that horse to me. Jesus sits on the horse and just rides into town. All of creation knows who Jesus is. All of creation, every animal, every star, every fish, every bird, every person has this God-sized hole in their heart that knows that they are longing for something, for somebody. And people will try different things. Maybe they'll try something that's not good for them or healthy for them or, or within the way of the, uh, the word, but more in the way of the world. And they'll try those things they're looking. But I think the idea here is that we need to kind of line up like the cult. If Jesus said it, we need to do it, and the rest is sure, amen. We need to be those people that uh, Jesus, you, you, you're, you're the one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride that thing, and I'm going to move forward. You're, I'm going to ride your word. I'm going to do your word. I'm going to live your word. But that cult was, was prepared. Another thing that the Bible says in Luke 22, uh, yeah, right around Luke 22, it says that he tells Peter and John again, hey, there's a room I've prepared. Go make ready. And so he's prepared a colt, and then he's prepared now a room. Go make that. And it's the room that we know that the Last Supper was made. And it's kind of cool how he does that. I think Jesus was maybe in the room a little earlier preparing it, maybe getting the table. If you come out to Monday, Thursday, on Thursday night, you'll see a table Janie's prepared. And it'll have palm branches on it, and it'll have just different beautiful glasses, and it'll be a loaf of bread there with a cross in it, and we'll have some juice, and we'll just take bread together intimately. I think Jesus was setting that table knowing that this was going to be the last time that he supped with his, his, uh, his disciples until the day of his resurrection when he goes and eats later that night and says, hey, do you have any fish, okay? It, it's a beautiful scenario, but he's prepared the room. He just says, go and make ready. Make sure it's there. Make sure everything's okay. It's kind of our heart, too. He's already prepared a place for us, a room for us. Now just make it ready. He's prepared a place in your heart. Now he wants you to make it ready so that he can fill that. And then he's made, a, well, he's made a meal, right? So he's made the last supper. He's, made, he's prepared the meal. And I like it again when, when my wife cooks and, the, and she sets the table. But she doesn't leave like we're having brunch today. And, and brunch will include uh, kishki, which is a Polish 
sausage, not Polish sausage. Don't confuse the two. It's Polish sausage. And you have a choir taste for it, but it's the best if you're Polish or married to a Pole. It's the best thing you can ever have. And there's only one place in the Midwest that sells it right, and that's in Omaha, Nebraska. So every time we go back to Omaha, we have to put some kishki on dry ice and bring it back. But she's going to have kishki. So then I said, honey, if you have kishki, you don't need anything else. Well, no, i got to get some bacon. Well, if I have bacon, then what else are you going to do? Well, then I'm going to have French toast. And have French toast. And she was mad this morning because after we bought yogurt and fruit and French toast and kishki and eggs and two different type of eggs and bacon that, oh, we forgot bagel. I said, honey, we ain't getting no bagels. But we got it. We should have bagels, Mark. I, why? You, I have just listed seven different things that we're going to have and then three types of different drinks. You know, we're going to have iced coffee and coffee and milk and a fancy juice that she makes. We don't need, I don't think we need bagels, but bagels would be good. So you know where I'm probably going after church on the way home. Got to get some bagels somewhere. Can you imagine Jesus setting up the Last Supper? Janie's just doing this for the kids and myself. Or if she would do that with invited guests, Jesus knows this is going to be the last time he eats on this side of earth with those guys. And how earlier in the day he was setting that supper up. He's preparing a meal. Well, I got to thinking while I was preparing this part of the message, thinking about being prepared, that Maybe we should be prepared to share the good news. Maybe we should be prepared to invite people to church. It's Easter Sunday. Hey, why don't you come on up? Maybe we should be prepared to go into the community and give away clothes or prepared to celebrate the intimacy of Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday. Maybe we should be prepared at all times of fall. In fact, Paul told Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. He's saying be prepared. And so while we're being prepared, I thought, how lucky were the disciples to be a part of this, forgetting the part about them going to be martyred and killed for their faith. But how fortunate were they just to see Jesus? And yet the, the Bible and the Holy Spirit took me to different scriptures that Jesus already has another horse prepared. It's a white horse in Revelation that he's going to ride back for his church that's going to be without spot or wrinkle, that he already has another colt tied up ready to go for when he comes back. That he said in John, the 14th chapter, I go and what? Prepare a a room for you. Prepare a place for you. Some say pre prepare a mansion for you. I don't know if it's a room, a, a riverbank, or a place, but if Jesus has been working on that for 2,000 years, it's going to be pretty good. It's like be some people looking, working on their porch for four years or five years, but uh, 2,000 years. He's preparing a room for us. So he prepared that room, but now he's still preparing a room for us, and then he said he's going to prepare a meal. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when we get to heaven, it, we're, we're not, <laughs> we're not without. In fact, Jesus is preparing these things for some 2,000 years so that when we get there, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be gold. It's going to be lovely. And so we haven't missed out on what the disciples, we're still disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's preparing those things then as he, or now as he was preparing those things then. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, but it is written, and you know the scripture very well. I had not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You see, I was mistaken when I thought maybe the disciples were getting all the good stuff. 
God has prepared so much more and better for those that love him still and love him now. In fact, the author of Hebrews in the 11th chapter says that they actually aren't even made complete until we fulfill our obligation. And so that there's a passion that prepares. We learned it this past week on our discipleship class that really when we pick up our cross and follow Christ, it's more out of passion, not out of burden. That the passion that Jesus had was never a burden because it was the joy that was set before him in Hebrews 12 and 1. And so we learn now that there's this passion that we can run with. There's a passion to serve Jesus. There's a passion to love the Lord. There's a passion to follow the Holy Spirit. There's a passion to read God's word. There's a passion to make God proud, if you will. And when we walk this walk, our passion actually prepares us for what our position won't. David was the youngest of eight children. I can kind of, I can relate a little bit to that. He was out in the field, not even invited to the party. They were going to anoint one of Jesse's sons, kings. He wasn't even invited to the anointing. And Samuel says, hey, do you have any? But yeah, there's David out in the field. But man, it sure wouldn't be him. Would you call him? Would you get him? See, it wasn't by his position but God knew David was a passionate person. Wrote his psalms looking over some sheep in a pasture. <laughs> Think about that. How beautiful setting. I love the early mornings in the spring, don't you? The sun's coming up. The birds are whistling. It's, it's, it's a little chilly out. It's kind of cool. But it's a beautiful uh, scenario. It's a beautiful setting that we can understand that this God is in charge. Very passionate in that realm. So he has those things prepared for us, just like he prepared for the disciples. He prepared a, a cold, he prepared a room, he poured, prepared a meal. He's got a white horse ready to come back anytime. His father says, go get him. He's got a room ready for you. He's built onto the mansion, and he's got a supper that he's preparing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Second, uh, second verse is, is prayer and praise immobilize your problems. Prayer and praise immobilize problems. I, I like what he says in the scripture that we read. It says, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God. Can we give God five seconds of praise today? Just because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. He is more than worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus. It seems odd, and, and I, I have no problem with quiet churches or reverent churches who maybe praise differently, but every now and then you just got to let it out. Every now and then you just got to praise God. And, and when you prayer and praise immobilize, I mean, Jesus is teaching us something here. He taught us when, when we say the Lord's Prayer that we say our Father. He's all-inclusive. We learned that again on discipleship class. Our Father. He's not only my Father, he's your Father. He's not only your Father, he's my Father. He's not only our Father, he's the kids downstairs, Father, or in nursery. It's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Or we're going to praise you. Holy is your name. Your name is worthy to be praised. And, and the disciples were doing that. And there was a, a crowd, I can only imagine, because they really believed Jesus was going to set his kingdom up on earth. And hey, there's the Lord. There's the master. See, sometimes Jesus would, would quietly come into town, do some miracles, and then quietly leave because he knew his time had not yet been. But now he knows it's his time. It's getting ready for Passover. He knows he's going to die. He's freely giving himself up. It's not a deal with the devil. This is, a, this is a obedience to his father, that there had to be justification for our sins. The justification had to come from a perfect lamb. The perfect lamb was Jesus Christ. 
So because of that, he understands what's taking place, and these people are loving on him, and they're, and they're singing his praises. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, they say this, rebuke your disciples, make them be quiet, calm them down. Don't allow them to sing praises. And Jesus says this very, very artfully. If they don't praise me, these rocks will cry out. See, I think what happens is the enemy wants to steal your praise. He wants to rob your prayer. He wants to take things away from you that he knows are the answer to your breakthrough. And praise truly is the answer to our breakthrough. So when we pray uh, to the Lord, see, here's how we pray. We pray to God, but we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He's seated at the right hand. The right hand in Scripture is always the power position. In fact, uh, the psalmist said uh, in Eugene Peterson's translation that Psalms, I think it's 92. No, no, it's not 92. Ah, I, I, can't, I can't think of it right now. But it's the first verse of the Psalm 98. He says that God has rolled up his sleeves. That, that, that's kind of like God going to work, isn't it? Think about that. For when someone's, they're, they're doing something, so I got to roll up my sleeves on this one, you know. Maybe they're sweating a little bit or maybe they're thinking, so they're going to roll their sleeves up. God literally rolls up his sleeves to go to work for you when you pray to him. He, he doesn't not like you. He loves you. He cares for you. You are his pride and joy. And so when we pray to the Father, we pray to God through Jesus Christ who sits in the power position, who makes intercession for us. And Paul even said that we actually are sitting with Jesus in heavenly places. So we're there. We're part here. We're part there. We talked about that in the Heaven series. We're part in both places. But we can pray. Not only can we pray, but the enemy wants to take away our praise. He wants to take away the fact that we can give God glory and honor and praise. He wants to take away the fact that they were crying out. We can still cry out today. We cry out by faith that Jesus hears, but I believe he does. Do you believe Jesus hears you when you pray and when you praise? It immobilizes our problems. Why? Well, I'll give you an idea. When we praise, when we sing praises to God, uh, uh, scientists or educators at Boston University years ago said that when we sing or that when we praise, that is the only time that the left side and the right side of our brain work in unison. This is why people that sing with accents or uh, people that sing with speech impediments, like people, singers that have stuttered when they talk, but when they sing, it comes out so beautiful. Or someone that has a deep, maybe Australian or British accent, when they sing, they sound very English. You know, they, it's, it's because both sides of their brain are working together. Listen, when you praise God almighty and your problems start to go away is because you don't have time to think about other things. You only have time about giving God praise. Take five more seconds again and just give God a shout of praise, not only because he's worthy, but your problems will go away. It's a beautiful thing. We praise the creator. Now he says these rocks, these stones, and theologians tell us it's the same 12 stones or the same 12 stones that represent what Joshua did. Joshua is told to grab 12 stones, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, grab a person, have them pick up a big stone, and have them carry it over from here, over, over past Jordan into the land of Canaan, which became, later became Jerusalem, all right? And so uh, you say, well, how come? For a testimony. See, a testimony simply means do it again. When all of Israel,
Israel would look at those stones when they were having a hard day, they would recognize God did it there. He can do it here. God healed our daughter. He can heal your son. God healed a marriage. He can heal you. Whatever God did before, he can do again. Wherever there's a testimony, there is a test, though. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be uh, something that maybe you could walk away from or walk to. And Jesus said these stones will, will uh, cry out. Why? Because the testimony in those stones still live. So listen to this and write it down. Your praise actually brings a foundation for your breakthrough. It's the same, it's the very thing that when I praise God when I'm in trouble, when I praise God when I don't know what to do, when I praise God because it seems like all manner of hell is against me, when I praise God and he forms a breakthrough, I can look back and that can be very foundational for me. In our life, uh, Janie's been healed, Angie's been healed, Jessica's been healed. They've all had miracle healings that have taken place in their life. And I look back and say, if God did it for us, he'll do it for you. That's what God does. He, he doesn't care about one family over another family. He's a fair God. He'll never leave you nor will he forsake you. And so these stones become such beautiful things. We learn about them first in Exodus. Then we learn about them in Joshua. We read about them in Matthew. And then we read about them again in Revelations. Only now, just like your testimony, just like your foundation, these stones are not 12 stones anymore of raw, boulder, concrete. Now they're 12 precious stones. And they're the foundation of the new heavens and the new earth. They're onyx and, and, and they're, they're um, jasper and they're pearl and they're, they're diamonds. They're magnificent stones that make the foundation of the new heavens and you're going to be living there someday. We think about those stones. In fact, Revelations 2 and 17 says when we get to heaven, you're going to be given a white stone with a new name on it. And that name's not going to be any other name but your name. Like at any given point in time. I know 12 people that have my same birthday. Sometimes when we call for the prayer team at the other campus downtown, there's like five Marks that show up. What's your name, Mark? What's your name, Mark? We were at dinner the other day, and Judah came up and said, Poppy, your name is Mark. I said, yes, it is. And I said, so is your dad. Yeah, my dad's name is Mark, too. I said, well, your name is, too. It's Judah Mark. Yeah, I'm Judah Mark. And then he goes up to Drew and says, you're and Uncle Andrew Mark. Well, he's not. He's Andrew Thomas. But he didn't want to leave Drew out. <laughs> Jesus doesn't ever want to leave you out. You're going to have a new name written down in glory. That stone keeps going. So what we learned was an old rustic stone that they just picked up from a riverbed now becomes foundation. When you think you're just praising God and nothing good's come of it, you're building a foundation for greatness to come because prayer and praise immobilizes all of your problems. Can you say amen? It's an amazing time. It's a testimony. It's a story time. I remember when God did this. I remember when God did that. Talking to a friend. And a week ago, he said that he needed to uh, video some of those so for his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I think that's a great idea. In the church, we need to tell our story. We need to be able to share what God is doing. We need to tell Jesus a story to other people so they can understand what it means that it's not religion. It's not this uh, faraway God. He's here. He resides in us. He's a part of who we are. Last but not least, the pursuit of the present opens the door to your potential. I think we get caught up sometimes in 10 years down the road. 
20 years down the road. I think we get caught up sometimes in, in too many things that we're planning. And it's good to plan. You should prepare. It's important to plan and prepare. We, we, we get that. But at the same time, you need to know about today. You need to work on today. In fact, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have enough worries in itself. You just work on today. If I can feed the sparrows, I, I can feed you. I can take care of you. Again, yes, it's good to plan. You, you should plan. It's good to have some preparedness. But your pursuit of today, your pursuit of the present, your pursuit of, 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 of this, and we, we learned some of this. We're going to hand out some poems in a minute. We, had a, we have a good gentleman that uh, runs a This Will Do Nicely downtown, Leroy, and he, he gives us the poems. And, and so we, we'll give out poems at the end, and we have a, uh, a way of doing it. And you'll all get a poem, and hopefully you'll wave them during the last song. But the poem teaches us some things in Scripture that will help us pursue the present. Let's read out of Psalm 92, I think 12 through 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are never full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The palm tree have five words that maybe you can uh, think about, meditate on, that the palm branch will represent this week. Not only does it represent Hosanna, Yashana, salvation now, healing now, victory now, restoration now, but it means several other things. The first word is resilient. Palm trees bend, but they don't break. You can see them in hurricane season. They almost touch the, the beach, and then they spring back up. Believers need to be resilient. You are in a fight. There is a fight all around you. You just bend, but don't break. They can withstand winds up to 145 miles an hour. They have, they have a, a beautiful root system and, and, and stem system that causes them to be able to be resilient. You, you can't, uh, you, you need to uh, be the type of person that is, is going to be able to be a little flexible without losing your root system. You can be resilient. Believers need to be very resilient because, again, you're in a fight. Number two, the second word is life. It becomes a tree of life. It's a great producer. Here's some of the things that a palm tree would produce. Food, shelter, clothing, timber, fuel, starch, oils, waxes, wines. It's a producer. It's a tree of life. It's much what like a, a Christ follower it should be or a church should be. A church should be life-giving. A church should be a, a church that uh, people can lean on each other with that resiliency, that you're down, we can be up, we can be down, you can be up, we can lean on each other. We need to be life givers to all people, all people that, that need to find Jesus or are looking for Jesus or know Jesus, but we can be life givers to them. We become trees of life. And it's important that we become that life to other people. Number three, they're spiritual. They do represent that yashana, victory, healing, salvation, restoration, prosperity, blessing. Some churches don't like to say that. I, I know that I want my kids blessed. I know that Father God wants you blessed. And Father God wants every person blessed. Well, what about those who are suffering in third world countries? Yes, he can still bless them with peace. He can bless them with substance. We're blessed to live in America. We really are. But we also need to not take it for granted. 
We need to understand the, the spiritual part of a palm tree. A, a Japanese palm tree, you've probably heard me say it before, the, the first year it's planted, uh, there's no sign of growth. The second year, there's no sign of growth. The third year, there's no sign of growth. The fourth year, there's no sign of growth. Halfway through the fifth year, all of a sudden, the palm tree grows 90 feet tall. It's gathering a root system, okay? That's the same thing we need to gather. That's why we need to be involved in Bible studies or prayer groups. We need to be involved in home groups, small groups. We need to be involved in church on Sunday. We need to work on a serve team. We need, we need to be involved for our spirituality. This is what the palm tree teaches us. Number four is it's healthy. They get rid of old leaves and bad fruit. It's a beautiful concept. Uh, the, they shed themselves so they can grow to the next level. There might be some people in your life that you need to get rid of. Remember, Abraham had to get rid of Lot before God would take him out and show him all the stars. Maybe you have to get rid of that past in your life. Maybe you have to get rid of things in your life. There's bad fruit. Maybe there's people around you that, that speak poorly. You're always a reflection of the five people that you hang around the most. And the reason is that because birds of a feather really true like to flock together. But sometimes you have to remove yourself from that which drains you, that thing that just wears you down, that thing that just it separates you. You have to get around some healthy life givers, people that will continue to build each other. Paul says building each other up in the unity of the faith, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. When we get around each other, we're building each other up in the unity of the faith. We become healthy. We don't bear bad fruit. But the palm tree will get rid of bad fruit. The palm tree will get rid of leaves. We have to become healthy in Christ. And the last but not least is it grows. It's a, there's a growth here. In fact, palm trees grow well with others. I, I uh, was sharing in the first service, uh, uh, we had gotten a report card on Marcus. Marcus and Jill are much the same. Jessica and Andrew are much the same. And Marcus and Jill's report card were always, it plays well with others. Gets along well with others. Always gets along well with others. I think Jessica's a couple times said, doesn't like others. <laughs> Good girl, smart girl, doesn't get along well with others. Not that she didn't get along. She's just some, and then Drew, he just refused to go to school. So he, mommy, please don't drop me off here. <laughs> that was preschool. Then he went to kindergarten, but it was a little late. He graduated on, actually graduated early from college. Uh, we're proud of all of the kids. But it, it, palm trees, on the heavenly perspective, grow well with others. Not all trees grow well because they're, they're soil robbers, okay? There's nutrients that some trees need that other trees have, and that tree can't grow if this tree's robbing. Palm trees can grow every, anywhere, anywhere in their climate that they are planted. If it's in an orchard or if it's on a beach, they can grow in that realm. As a church, we need to be able to grow well with others. We need to be able to, to spot people who are, have a hard time fitting in and then be able to to grow with those people. We need to be able to share with them. Now, listen, we don't always have to condone what everybody's doing. I think we have to stand by the word of God and teach truth, operate in grace, but teach truth. But that means we need to grow. Even Jesus says to allow the wheat and tares to grow together. There's a growth process there. He said he would separate them in the end. So, Pastor, shouldn't we get rid of this one or that one? No, we, we shouldn't. We should allow them to grow, keep teaching truth, but allow growth to happen. And at some point in time, we don't know for sure, but we hope that they get it. I hope I'm still getting 
getting it. I hope you're still getting it. And so there, there's a process here of passion. Jesus prepared the, the colt. He prepared the room. He prepared the meal. He's preparing us still. He's preparing us this week to invite people out. He's preparing us this week, our hearts, to understand that, hey, we, we, there's a duty here. There's a, there's a passion. And our, our cross is not our burden, but our cross is our, our passion. And we, we need to praise God and pray every chance we get. Not when we need something or not when we're feeling good, but we need to do that whenever we're, we're, we're thinking. And then I want you to be mindful of the palm. In fact, stand with me uh, right here, if you will. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up and grab a, a palm, and we're going to wave it during the last song. And as Janie had mentioned, we keep it in our house. We keep it around, uh, and I do look at it. I, I, it reminds me of the resilience. It reminds me of the life, the, the spiritualness, the growth. It reminds me of the fruit that, that it brings off and what it does in, in my heart and my life, that, that God made this, and they were waving it on that Hosanna Sunday, that, that, that Yashana, and, and we can call out Jesus whenever we need to and want to and for, for all purposes sake, okay? And so in a moment after I pray, I'm going to ask you to come up, grab a palm uh, branch and go back to your seat and just, just wave it during the song. You'll see how the song ties everything together and then Marcus will close. The, uh, the, the palms are important. It's not just a day. It's, it's, it's the reason why we celebrate Easter. There has to be a start for there to be an end. And this starts this week off. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today that you've given us the passion to pick up our cross. You've given us, Father Lord, the abilities, Father Lord, to pray and praise, to immobilize problems in our life. And Father Lord, that we could truly just look at today and this day, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it, Father, as we wave our palms and shout Hosanna. Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Father, we, we shout to you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for victory. We thank you for healing. We thank you for blessing, Father. We speak that over our congregation, those watching today, those listening today, those, Father, in-house today. Father, would you bless them and keep them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come grab, come grab a branch. Go back to your seat, and we'll wave them together. God bless you.
Come on, put your hands together for King Jesus in this place. If you believe he is the risen Savior, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God, amen? So the Bible says, and we read the uh, Luke version, but John 12, 13 says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Somebody say, Hosanna. Come on, wave the palm branches and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. was doing was he was establishing his kingdom. He was declaring that he was the king, and in doing that, he was setting himself up as a rival king. He was literally dethroning anything else that wanted to set itself up against his kingdom. He wasn't just dethroning Caesar or the religious leaders or the governors of Rome, but he said, anything that sets itself up against my kingdom has to come down. That means that in Jesus' name, sickness has to come down. Poverty has to come down. But doubt and disbelief and discouragement and anxiety and depression all has to come down in Jesus' name. And when you declare Hosanna, you are saying, Jesus, you are king in my life. And so we say, Hosanna, we say victory now, healing now, prosperity now, blessings now. And in Jesus' name, our King is the King over our life. Amen. Just want to close in a word of prayer. We have some more branches here if you didn't get one. But let's just believe that Jesus is on the throne today. He set himself up as the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And you can receive that into your heart this morning. Father, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That there is no king, that there is no ruler higher or greater than you, Lord. That there is no principality or power on this earth. That not sickness, not darkness, not depression, not poverty, not addiction, not anything on this earth is greater than you. Lord Jesus, we say that blessed is you, Lord God, that king that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King Jesus of Israel. Lord, we 
We ask that you'd bless each person here today. Have your way in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. And we ask to see you Thursday or Friday, next Sunday at Easter. Don't forget to invite your friends. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.